Welcome in. This is your Zozo Championship live chat brought to you by my friends over at Jock Market. More on them in just a bit, but let's go. Let's go. We are like five hours away from this golf tournament starting on a Wednesday. Very strange situation. I'm absolutely stoked for it. 78-player field, no cut, similar to last week, a little bit bigger purse. Let's go. This next hour is your time. Questions you will have, answers I will hopefully have. I'll do my best to get through as many as possible. We'll have a nice little productive conversation. Let's jump into it. Without further ado, John J. Douglas, who sent this uh, message an hour and a half ago. John, you're on top of your game here, my friend. Uh, would you prefer a guy who didn't play on either tour last week, avoiding the jet lag, or disregard the fatigue factor? Uh, I don't care. I just don't. So the the kind of situation that we have is there's a, a lot of things here. Flying from Vegas to Japan, losing the 16 hours from this coast, uh, it's not ideal. A lot of these guys aren't necessarily flying coach, middle seat kind of stuff. But the real big problem is, John, it affects everybody differently. So it's hard to throw a blanket statement on guys who traveled or guys that didn't. Some might not feel any effects. Some might feel a lot of effects. And we're going to have no way of knowing. So I'm not even really considering it as a factor this week because I think it's a bit of a fool's errand to try to figure it out. Jeffrey says, Rick, are you excited to pull an all-nighter? First one since college. Uh, <laughs> I did not pull all-nighters in college, my friend. That uh, My wife probably did for studying. Uh, I, Unless it was for uh, a, a, a social event, that would have been the reason I was out all night. Uh, it would not have been for study purposes. However, this for me, uh, the broadcast ends here at, uh, I want to say like 1130 at night. So probably not going to be an all-nighter for me one way or another. Uh, Zal compared course to Augusta. Could you run a model like you would for Augusta? Is that Zalatoris? I don't necessarily agree with that statement. Um, I would love to know his thoughts on why. Uh, no, I do not agree with that. Hey, Rick, I like Eric Van Royen or Carlos Ortiz as sleepers this week. Are they better on this week's surface compared to their putting averages? Well, EMR, if only there was one way to find this out. Oh, wait a minute. There is. Oh, that's a little bit of a plug there for Jock Market. How about this? This is my website. A little bit of a plug here for my website, rickrungood.com. So here's what we can do in this situation. Let's fire up. Uh, I'm on the Holy Grail. You can basically sort or filter anything you want here. Eric Van Royen probably doesn't have a ton of rounds, but I'm going to load uh, both Ortiz and EVR into this. I am then going to remove uh, bent grass surfaces, and we're going to get their baseline on all other surfaces. So EVR is basically a zero putter, small negative, minus 0.06. Carlos, Carlos Ortiz, slight positive putter, 0.14. If we flip this around and then say just look at bent grass, Ortiz becomes significantly worse. Um, he loses over a third of a stroke per round and EVR becomes a slight positive. So EVR would be getting a little bit of a benefit here. Carlos Ortiz, a significant decrease on this surface. I still like Carlos Ortiz, but since the question was around the, the putting surfaces this week, that is your statistical answer. Curious on your thoughts on using Hoffman or Norin 
for one and done. They grade out well in my models. Uh, Norin, I'm I'm probably fine with. You know, he didn't play particularly well last week at the CJ Cup, but you know, listen, it's it's one week. He'd had a really good stretch leading up to that. He lost four strokes on approach, which is something he hasn't done in basically a year. So you'd expect it to be better than that. The tee to green play has generally been a lot better than what we saw last week at the CJ Cup. So yeah, I'm I'm generally more bullish on Norin for Hoffman. This is kind of interesting. You have to determine what you care about. Um, Because if you care about short term, there's really nothing exciting about Charlie Hoffman, right? Loses five strokes on approach last week. Loses another four with the putter. Hasn't had a great run uh, at the end of last year and into into this new season. But if you go long term, one of the best ball strikers that we had on tour last year, probably top 15, top 20. So... This is where you kind of have to determine what you're willing to give Charlie Hoffman credit for. Uh, in a, This is a much lower sense of a similar question that you can pose to Rory McIlroy quite often, right? Rory McIlroy can flip a switch and win a golf tournament even when his odds are long, even when he hasn't played well, even when there's seemingly no reason to back him. We saw that last week. Um, Charlie Hoffman, on the other hand, not comparing him to Rory, but could he, could he just flip a switch and finish inside the top 20? I don't know the answer to that. I, I generally think I lean towards no. I, I lean towards being a little bit more concerned about Charlie Hoffman, but Alex Noren um, certainly certainly uh, not so bad. Also love the idea of incorporating more reading into the site. Do not always have time to do audio or video. Yeah, so if you don't know what that is in regards to, uh, doing a little pilot program of kind of just taking some of the the audio and video content and converting it into written content, uh, which you can see on the homepage here and it's being tweeted out and stuff like that. Um, I do not like to write things. I do not. I, I prefer the audio video uh, you know, medium. However, I do know what Logan is saying to be true for a lot of people that um, you know, sometimes they just prefer to read it or don't have time to do the audio or video, or I think I'm going to sneeze here. Give me one second. Okay, I think I'm good for now. Um, the so so I'm gonna continue to try this. If if you like the written stuff, let me know. Share it around. Um, consume it. Thank you. Ben says love Hideki this week in DFS. However, I'm skeptical as he's not really good with the putter. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Thoughts on uh, thoughts for him in DFS with Colin as a stars and scrubs duo. They are they're both very on brand, aren't they? Like, you know what you're going to get. They're both very similar. Now, you're asking both of them to essentially putt to a zero this week. Um, I'm pretty bullish on Hideki. Bentgrass is one of his better surfaces. He's much better on bent than he is on a lot of other surfaces. We didn't see that necessarily last week at Summit Club. He lost nine and a half strokes putting. But believe it or not, that's not really out of character for Hideki. Four, three other times in his career, he's lost at least nine strokes putting. We see this. So you know exactly what you're getting with Hideki Matsuyama. I think the combination uh, with Colin Morikawa is um, it's very risky. I think it is a very high, high risk, high reward way to approach this. I would feel more comfortable deploying that in a large GPP um, with a lot of people in it, with a very top heavy payout. That would be kind of the, the place that I would want to roll out uh, the combination of those two, uh, just because of the nature of their play, they could both easily lose five strokes putting and finish, you know, T18. And that's that's not really getting you much. So that's that's the way that I would approach it, Ben. Uh, best option under 
7700 so here is the uh here's the cheat sheet so i can show you this so under 7700 things start to get a little bit hairy um speaking of harry harry higgs uh had a very good vegas swing i do not mind harry higgs at all i do not mind takumi kanaya at all $6200 going down a little bit further than that um no i'd probably pick one of those two Harry Higgs or Takumi Kanaya. I think they're I think they're both fine here. I think they're probably the best plays under 7700. What is the best one and done league asks Michael uh or platform to use and are you able to form your own league in the one and done platform? Uh so here's kind of my issue. There's not really a good one and done platform. Uh one it's either a really wonky platform Two, it's either a site that exists that charges you an exorbitant amount of rake, um, or three, it's a combination of both, which sometimes stinks. So I've I've been testing a lot of different one and done sites. I've not been particularly thrilled. Um, I have a little bit. Do not get excited. The tiniest bit of a lead on eventually maybe having one of these created myself, where you could create your own leagues. You're not going to be charged an exorbitant amount of rake, if any at all. We'll see. But you know what I mean? Like like some of these people, so, some one and dones you're in, you're not even realizing how much you're paying in 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 the rake there. So um, TBD, your, your question is one I don't necessarily have an answer for. Sid says, hey, Rick, I bet Wallace at 55 to one. He's doing that thing where he hits a great putts and chips horrendously less few starts. Now he's slid in my books at 70. Do I almost have to bet that too? I do. I I personally would bet that again, uh, which is probably not the right answer, right? The, the, the correct optimal answer is probably you were willing to bet it at 55. You allocated the amount of money that you were willing to spend on Matt Wallace at 55 to one. If he moves to 70 and you put more down, aren't you now putting down uh, more on a guy than you anticipated, like more of a share? However, that is very very like tediously optimal, I would um, absolutely, and I have done this, I'd bet it again. Uh, whether it is for a half a stake, a quarter of a stake at 70 to one or 55 to one, you're probably not uh, overly invested in Matt Wallace, even throwing a couple, even throwing five more bucks on him at 70 to one. Now you're talking about $350 uh, back if he ends up winning it. So yes, uh, it's probably not optimal, but I am a sucker and I would have absolutely done it as well. Jay-Z is in the chat. My main man, Rick, got any feel for my bro, Peter? Shopping mall, now naughty. Shopping mall, naughty. Sorry, I think I screwed that one up, Hove. Trying to get a couple of long shots. Let's deep dive Mal Naughty. I don't think I've really uh, checked him out here uh, this week. So let's see where we stand on all on all Psycho Pete here. Haven't seen him since the Shriners, but here's a good sign. Four consecutive events, he's gained strokes on approach. Two of them, he's gained strokes with the putter. Two of them, he's been horrendous. The driver all over the place. That's a little bit worrisome. I'll tell you what, this was probably a better stat profile than I was expecting to see when Peter Shopping Malnati uh, popped up on, on, on the chat there, Jay. So listen, I'm a pretty big believer that this field's wide open. Uh, once you get past the top, like, eight guys in this field. It's it's there's a lot of similar players. Peter Malnati, we know can get hot. He's a positive putter on bent along with every other um, surface. Actually this, this, this is a pretty, you know, the, the, the two starts that he's had this year rank him 178th in putting, but historically he gained like he's historically he's much better than that. 
and he gains on basically every surface. So maybe he can find that magic, tap into the approach play that he's had over the past couple of weeks and uh, go from there. Denver Timmy says, besides yourself, who was rumored to party the hardest in Vegas? Uh, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. I do know that um, someone sent me a text. They saw Dustin and, and uh, AJ, Dustin and Austin in the high roller blackjack uh, but it was like it was like three o'clock in the afternoon, and I don't think I think they were just playing blackjack. But somebody somebody tweeted me a, or uh, texted me a photo of that, so I don't know the answer. Carlos Ortiz seems to me like he has more winning upside in this kind of field than people around him on the board. Do you agree? And if so, do you like betting him in fifteen sixty to one range? Yeah. So I will tell you, I've already bet him, um, and I'm not particularly thrilled about it. Uh, but you know, gaining strokes on approach. Played well from T to green. And I think what I want from guys in this field is kind of some, some volatile upside. So look at his T to green numbers. Um, you know, he can gain you six. He can gain you nine. He can lose you seven. He can gain you six. You look at the putter. Plus four, minus five, minus nine, plus three, minus three. He's just, this is what I call volatile in a good way, right? He's a, a very cheap option. 50, 60 to one, whatever you can get him at. And you are, um, you're not making a big investment for someone who I agree has a lot of upside, has a lot of volatility, um, played well in Japan for, I think three rounds at the, at the Olympics, um, before falling off on Sunday. Hey, Rick, thanks always for the content. You're welcome. Saw your top South African bet on the first cut was based more on confidence. Was that based more on confidence in Norris or just lack of confidence in the other South Africans this week? So for those who, uh, who don't know what this question is, um, on the first cut podcast. So that's the CBS sports, uh, golf podcast that I host. Uh, we do our best bet each week and, uh, I narrowed it down to Sean Norris plus 400 to be the top South African. The other South Africans in the field are, EVR, Brandon, Grace, and Higo. Uh, so it's kind of two-part. EVR, Grace, and Higo. Are, are, am, am I worried that any of them are going to finish inside the top 10, 15, 20? Not particularly. though They might, but not particularly. Um, but Norris, on the other hand, played well last week, won the Japan Golf Open, I believe it's called, uh, last week. And before everyone's like, oh, that's the Japan Tour. Who cares? They stink. That win was worth more than Seamus Powers' win at the Barbasol. It was a stronger field than that. It was the same strength of field as winning a Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. So I'm not I'm not asking him to do that. I'm asking him to beat three players. He's a staple on the Japanese tour, plays a little bit on the Euro tour. He's, 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 they're all very good players, but I think he's being mispriced. So it's a little bit of both there. Uh, real quick. I've got to do my uh, plug, and I hate to even call it a plug here for Jock Market because this is actually something I just love and love more every day. You guys know, I don't, I don't really do a lot of partnerships and collaborations and sponsorships or anything, but when I actually believe in something, um, that's, that's when I'm willing to do it. So this is stock market DFS. It is, um, now with all different sports, you can buy and sell shares of, of athletes, um, for a day at a time or a tournament at a time. And you can short golfers. Now you can, I, and there's just, there's just so much you can do, and I love it. And it's a really different way to play. And I want to give you guys an example of this because this came up last night on the Power Hour. And what, what I actually kind of stumbled into was a really good example. It was Colin Morikawa 
It was Alex Norin and it was uh, Kyle Stanley, I believe. And what I'm showing you here is the data from all of these cash markets. And what it ends up showing you is, you know, Morikawa has played, they, they've all played between 20 and 25 different cash markets. They've all returned on average a positive return of either somewhere between 21 and 29% ROI. And my whole point being, there is no other place, there is really no other place that you can get Alex Norin and Kyle Stanley being just as valuable as Colin Morikawa. And I think that is a flaw with a lot of the golf betting and a lot of the golf fantasy that we do is you're almost just always playing the guys at the top and asking them to win, right? And there's a really small number of guys that can actually win golf tournaments. But in the jock market, all your all your golfer has to do is outpace his expectation. So if you buy a share of Alex Norin at $3 and he finishes T28, like you've made a ton of money on him, right? But you would never make money in any other market. So anyway, it's one of many, many reasons I, 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 I'm really enjoying the jock market. I think you guys will too. If you use the code Rick, um, that gets you up to a $50 deposit bonus, which is always handy as well. Two Alex Norton questions here right out of the gate. Um, and it's the same combination. So I've already answered that. So I'm going to pass on that, Garrett. <coughs> Excuse me, Martin or Martin. Says so Bonjour from Quebec, Rick. Uh, bonjour. If you had fifty dollars and you are trying to make a betting card with the highest upside, not caring about percentages or safe plays, what would you do? Ooh, okay. Do I have to spread it out a little bit? Like, can I? Do I have to bet like one guy or five guys or anything like that? Um, what I would probably do if I was trying to do highest upside. Not caring about percentages. I would probably do this. I would probably take 10 bucks. Well, I would do it like this. I would put 10 bucks on Colin Morikawa. I'd put 10 bucks on Hideki Matsuyama. Okay. So that I'm, I'm going to take a barbell approach here. I'm going to take the top and I'm going to take the bottom. And then I have what? $30 left. And I would take $5 and I would uh, bet six guys that are like 60 to one or 80 to one in short and longer. So it would probably be, I don't have the odds in front of me, but it would probably be like, um, it would probably be like uh, Shugo. It would probably be Harry Higgs. It would probably be um, Carlos Ortiz, depending on the price that you can get on him. It would probably be um, Adam Shank. It would probably be something like that, right? So just give me maybe even Doug Gim or Tom Hoagie. That's the way that I would do it. I would take this barbell approach and um, and have at it. Good luck. A lot of talk about Norris Kanaya this week, but is it worth taking a big Japanese long shot way down the board? Yeah, so uh, there is also, uh, I believe it is Kita Nakajima, who I believe is now the current number one amateur in the world, or just was. I don't know if he just turned pro, but like most more recently, the number one amateur in the world. I wouldn't mind that at $6,100. Um, also, there was somebody else. Shugo Imihara, Imihara uh, would be another guy that I would be pretty interested in. Good luck. Rick, can you pull up the stats for most volatile golfer during the last season? Ooh, I think you DM'd me this. Did you DM me this? You got to be the same person asking the same question, right? So I don't know if I have this handy at the moment because the way that I would normally look at volatility would be um, basically through standard deviation, which is a very easy calculation. I can run it, but I don't think I have it like set up on the website for that. Um, 
I'm just I'm just looking through to see if there might be something better. I will say this, you know, you can look at uh, on the Holy Grail here, uh, like birdie streaks. Birdie streaks are usually very very volatile, right? And they usually come from vol- volatile golfers. So what you start to see is you start to see guys that have a high birdie streak rate and a low bogey free round rate which usually means they're making a lot of birdies and they're also making a lot of bogeys too like maverick mcneely is the first one that pops off maverick mcneely makes more birdie streaks than hideki and ricky fowler and colin morikawa um but also has you know half the rate of bogey free rounds as colin morikawa so what does that tell you tells you make making a lot of birdies or and, and a lot of bogeys as well so um i'm just kind of looking through this stat here like keegan would be one of them Roger Sloan would be one of them. There's probably a better way to do this, but I don't have it handy. Chesson Hadley would be one of them. Um, I'll, I'll work on that for a different day. <clears throat> Can we trust, this is TJ. Hey, TJ. Can we trust Japan tour guys like Kanaya, Kinoshita, Norris, Vincent? I understand they are elite compared to other Japan tour players, but they obviously suck in PGA tour events and majors for sure. And, uh, that majors is a whole different animal, right? A lot of guys suck at major championships, no matter what tour they're coming from. But the, to me, there's a very easy way to quantify how good these fields are. It's the official world golf rankings, strength of field number. And I mentioned it with Norris. Uh, the event that he won last week was a 28, uh, Seamus powers. So this week's going to be like a 200 and something, uh, Seamus powers win at Barbasol was a 17 and then Brandon Grace's win in Punta Cana was it Punta Cana or Bermuda did he win I think it was Punta Cana uh or maybe it was Puerto Rico I think it was Puerto Rico was like was also a 28 so that's essentially that's essentially the caliber of field now you're not asking Sean Norris to now go on and win a field with a strength of 235 or whatever it's going to end up being but can he finish T17 that'd be brilliant if he could Great stuff this week, Rick. Thank you. Still like Takumi as a sleeper. I do. I don't know how popular. Actually, I do uh, know how popular he's going to be. I have him around nine percent projected ownership. That's that's what I have Takumi at. Um, we'll see. I I, I think if you ask me to guess, I think it's going to come in lower than that. But uh, right now, I have it at about nine percent. There is a super chat here, which again is. Um, Never required, always appreciated. For some reason, I'm terrible on DraftKings in events with no cut, and I do pretty good in events with a cut. Any advice or strategy with no cut events that I should use? Um, well, thank you. And to me, it is uh, kind of what I just showed. It's that it's that bogey-free. It's all about the bonuses, right? It's about not only the um, the birdie streaks, the bogey-free rounds, but the birdies alone over four days are so valuable. I don't think people realize how much more valuable a birdie and a bogey is over two pars. And when you are doing that over 72 holes, it's really, really, really valuable stuff. So I just lean, there's two guys, there's two ways to lean on it. Um, Really good players, because when you start playing two rounds and then four rounds and eight rounds and 12 rounds and 300 rounds, the cream rises to the top, but also these birdie makers uh, in these no-cut events are incredibly, incredibly valuable. Again, thank you for the super chat. I appreciate it. Let's say at the end of the week, Colin, Xander, and Hideki finish first, 13th, and 35th. Who finishes in what spot? Probably the order that you have them in. Uh, Xander, 13th. Colin, first. Hideki, 35th. Um, it's really, I, I guess it's close with Colin and Xander, but 
Colin is is the best player in this field. It's uh, those two are the best players in this field. It's not particularly close. Um, Colin is a prolific winner, so I have to give him one. Xander is just constantly around, even with his best stuff last week. He was what T eighteen, and like so that's thirteenth. And then Hideki, Hideki's the volatile one, right? Hideki's the one that if he finished T fifty four, I'd be like, ah, eh, all right, yeah, he probably lost seven strokes putting and couple things didn't go his way, whatever. Uh, but if he wanted, I'd be like, yeah, okay. That, that makes complete sense. Right. It's just, he's the volatile one here. What's up, Rick. I cashed in on Higo last season. Thank you. It was pretty much an unknown to me. Is there anyone in this event that you're seeing that has a good form that really no one knows about? I mean, we've talked through, we talked through some of those, um, some of the Japanese tour guys that no one is going to want to play. Uh, I'll kind of pivot this question a little bit and, and say guys that, I think are, are, are in better form than what people are giving them credit for. Uh, Adam Shank is one, right? Like Adam Shank is genuinely playing some pretty darn good golf right now. Um, nine last nine events. He has three top four finishes really volatile in a good way type of golfer where if he gets the putter going and he gets the approach play going, he makes a lot of noise. Three top fours in his last nine great putter, on bent grass. That's a guy who I don't think people realize how good he's been. The other one, um, and I think people are starting to realize it. Uh, Johnny Vegas has been probably much better than people want to give him credit for. Look at the ball striking numbers. He's just dominating off the tee. He's awesome on approach. His tee to green numbers obviously are great. He put, he can gain two or three with the putter. There's a real chance. Johnny Vegas wins this golf tournament. I actually, um, so my card kind of got wonky. I think my card is currently, uh, shoot. And my numbers at Circa are so much different. So I got my card is like Morikawa, Hideki, Vegas, terrifying, Ortiz, Shank, that's five. And then I think I've got like, I thought I saw Higgs. I think I have Higgs like 150 to one. Higgs, and then there might be one other like long shot, but that's generally my card. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that no one's talking about. KH Lee's been better than I think people uh, want to give him credit for. That's probably, that's probably it. Your two favorite between Neesmith, Wes Bryan, and Kinoshita. Um, Neesmith with the ball striking is one. Wesley Bryan, I guess the concern there is that he is... Um, Again, making his first start after a really, a really long, uh, a really long break, right? I don't think he's played since May. Uh, so I probably have to go with Kinoshita, who, you know, is constantly piling up top tens and top twenties on the Japan tour. I, I give those guys a lot of credit this week. Thoughts on getting Xander and Morikawa in the same DK lineup. Um, sure. Yeah. I'm again, the barbell approach. I'm cool with it. Rick, you removed birdies and bogeys from the live leaderboard. It hurts. Any chance that can come back? Um, so, yes. So, the live leaderboard. I understand how popular the live leaderboard is. I love the live leaderboard. It's actually one of the most popular pages on the website. The um, It is, believe it or not, a very, very difficult tool to maintain because it's like a bunch of different sources coming into one spot. And if anything breaks down along the way, um, it's it's down. So in an attempt to keep it up as much as possible, I've recently <laughs> removed a couple of things. The new version that you're going to see will 
put all of this behind us and it will it'll it'll be great because i'm getting it all it'll all be from one source it'll be from my source but it's in development so yes i'm very very aware of it rick my man what's up oliver thanks for the work talk to me about who you prefer between lonto and shank if you could cheers and good luck yeah so they're actually both pretty similar um when when they're both going right approach and putting right that's that's what you want um and it's a very high vol it's, it's a high upside type of 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 style to play i prefer shank uh just showed his stats lonto he's you know he's fine if he again if he popped off i wouldn't be surprised because if things go right it's 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 a it's a high ceiling type of of, of play that he has uh but i would prefer shank in that spot are we ever going to get a good ricky number again no you're not. Um, is there really no shot tracker or tour cast available for the Zozo? That sounds about right, Antonio, because uh, generally speaking, the lasers don't travel. The shot link lasers don't travel. So usually if they leave the country, uh, you do not get shot link. Sometimes I think they take them for the Canadian Open, but you do not get uh, the lasers and the shot link tower. Uh, so you will probably not get shot tracker this week. How do we feel about heritage as a comp short tree line, small greens, accuracy needed and putting as Zach. It's not the worst comp, uh, believe it or not long. Some of these longer. So I don't even know if I want to show this. This is the course key stats page. This is statistically comparable courses, Beth page, cherry Hills and whistling Straits, which are a lot different than RBC heritage. Let me put in a, let me put in a, a lot of caveats to that one. This is one year's worth of data. So it's very, 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 very noisy. Two, um, this is the statistically comparable courses, meaning that these are the courses that uh, similar skill sets have found success on. What Zach is asking, and I think is a probably a better question, is kind of the eye test. Um, it's not the worst comp I've ever heard. Uh, Harbor Town's kind of more of an extreme where those trees are really fairway lined. Uh, these are more, you're going to have more rough to play with here, but I, I do like the thought process. It's not, it's not the worst thing I've ever, I've ever heard. Travis says, can we take a look at Hoagie? Sure. Uh, I'll just tell you right off the bat. He's got four straight events with gaining at least three strokes on approach, which is always a good sign. Um, he is, uh, obviously pretty reliant on what the putter is going to do. But again, the putter, I like to see this lose three, gain seven, lose four, gain three. That's good for a long shot. It's not good if you're John Rahm. It's good if you're Tom Hoagie because when you get those weeks, you finish fourth and 14th and you're actually in contention for golf tournaments. So I certainly don't mind it. Uh, hey, Rick, any idea when they release the final field, i.e. which alternates get in? Uh, it should be, uh, this field should be locked. I mean, we're, we're locked unless someone WDs. If someone WDs, then the next alternate will get in. But this that that field is locked. Whatever you're seeing on, um, you know, PG. I don't want to say locked because it's technically not not locked. But that's that's the field. It, whatever is uh, PGA Tour leaderboard, the tee times, it's in. Sig would only get in if someone withdraws, and also if he's there. Did he make the trip in hopes of getting in? I don't know. Some some of these guys are alternates. You might be the seventh or eighth alternate. You're not in Japan. So I don't know where Grayson Sig is at the moment. First alternate at a, at a prize pool this big, he might be there. 
What's the most distinguishing feature of this course? Good question. Two greens. The two greens that they could use. Uh, so in Japan, a lot of courses have two greens. Uh, one generally for summertime, one generally for winter. Uh, but this course specifically in recent years has converted both of them to a, a, a much more stable hybrid type bent grass uh, strain that is much more cooperative uh, in both the summer and the winter. So it's the same on both greens. But um, the fact that the PGA Tour could use both of those greens, right? So I think in 2019, there were there was a round where sometimes they'd play to the left green, sometimes they'd play to the right, creates different angles. It's kind of interesting. That has to be the most distinguishing feature of this. Brian says, appreciate the content. Can you do a deep dive on Sam Ryder? I always think it's funny the names that some of you guys come up with. Yeah, I'm happy to. Let's do a little Sam Ryder here. So here's what I see about Sam. Bent is his best surface. Uh, when he's on the surface, it's good. But if he can't get on the surface, he's in big trouble because he is just hemorrhaging strokes around the green. He is um, actually, so this is what I kind of find interesting here. He was uh, burning strokes on approach for a long time. Something happened at Barbasol, right? Gained 11 strokes on approach. That 11 strokes in a single week is an outrageous amount on approach. It's probably one of the best in, in the last couple of years. And then since then, he's gained strokes on, on approach in four of six. So clearly, I don't know if it's work that he's putting in, uh, but something happened here at Barbasol. So I, I kind of like when that is an indicator uh, and there's just a moment in time where you can kind of see uh, what happens. So I would say uh, I'm lukewarm on Sam Ryder. Uh, he's, he's just, he's got to continue the good approach play and he's gotta, he's gotta not give away three or four strokes around the green that that'll, that'll kill him. Bentgrass is a pretty good surface for him though. If you were able to lock in one combo of model waiting for the entire season, what would your 100% be out allotted to <laughs> strokes gain total? Is that cheating? Is that cheating? It's probably the answer, right? Is that cheating? No, to to I would probably do um let's say I can't use strokes gain total. I would do uh a heavy combination on off the tee and, and approach and I would do a a lot on birdie or better percentage. Um because off the tee and approach are going to be stickier week over week. And then uh birdie or better is going to really fuel our fantasy scoring aspect of it. So that's what I would go with. Does Brandon Grace have a path to showing up in the optimal this week? Probably not, but that's not a knock on him. There's just a lot of guys that aren't going to show up in the optimal. So here's, here's Grace. Uh, Bentgrass, by far his worst surface. Uh, I tend to think that distance is going to be more important here than most. We'll find out. Um, and distance is, of course, never a negative. He's one of the shortest hitters on tour one of the most accurate. I'm not sure he gets the full benefit of that this week. Maybe he does. Um, when grace is going really, really well, it's the putter is, is helping him out right uh, now has lost strokes putting in his last two lost six at the, at the CJ cup is losing a bunch off the tee. He's losing on a pro. I just, we, unless it's just for some flip, get, uh, some switch gets flipped. I can't imagine that Brandon grace finds his way into the optimal for this week. 
Apologies if I already answered. What do you estimate the winning score at? This is always it's always a question. It's always one I never really know the answer to. What did I say last week? 21 or 22 under? And I got to 20, I think 25 won it. Um, so it's going to depend. I saw. I thought I saw a little bit of rain in the forecast. And remember when they played here uh, two years ago, there was like a monsoon. They moved it to like a, it was like Monday. It was a like Sunday finish here, but a Monday finish there, I think. Um, I would say the winning score will be somewhere between 18 and 20 under. That is generally where I'm headed. Good day from Oz, Rick. That's Australia, for those of you who don't know. Love the content. Cheers. Any love for our man, Matt Jones, this week? Matt Jones might be in a lineup. Uh, and if he wins me a couple of dollars, I might go to Maccas. Maccas. Maccas or Maccas? I'll find out. Mm, that's McDonald's. Uh, here's Matt Jones. Let's see what we have here. Very good putter. Always good to see. Actually, this is strange. So, not putting well this season and didn't well didn't putt well at the end of last year, but historically, longer term, much, much better putter. Oof, this is not good, G. Maccas. This is not good. This is what I'm concerned about. Dating back to the Wells Fargo, which was in May, only one event uh, in which Matt Jones gained strokes on approach. That is usually a very, very sticky stat. So if he's struggling in it, he's going to continue to struggle. Um, if he cannot match that, and usually the way that he would fix that is he would put the lights out, right? That's 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 the DNA of Matt Jones. Not, not seeing that uh, currently. Lost strokes putting in five straight. I'm concerned about that. Um, sorry, I, I hate to break. Uh, I hate to break you some some bad news, but that's my opinion. CT Pan or Vegas and DFS kind of depends on what you want to do. I think they're both fine. I answered a lot of these, so I'm going to skip. Howdy, Rick. Howdy. We've gone from Oz to the Cowboy. Who do you like more, Sung Kang or Kinoshita? I think it has to be Sung Kang, right? I'm. I, listen, I, I'm. I'm happy to give credit to the to the Japanese guys who I think are gonna uh, be very comfortable and fit well, and they're all very very good. But Sung Kang is an established PGA Tour professional who's on a pretty decent run of golf, right? 32nd at the CJ cup, much more difficult field than this 27th at Shriners. He's gained strokes on approach in five straight. He's putting very well at the moment. I mean, I just, I love the, 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 the Japanese guys are the guys that play on the Japan tour. So I can throw Norris into that conversation as well, but this, this has got to be, um, it has to be Sun Kang. I think it's, I think it's silly. Rick. Taken aback by your golf skills. Oof. Is that good or bad? Were you taken aback because it was horrible or were you taken aback because it was better than you expected? Would you highly recommend Arcos Caddy app? Um, so they're not paying me for this, Matthew, although maybe they should be. I am a huge fan of the Arcos system. Um, obviously, I'm a big data guy. Obviously, I like playing golf. The fact that I can get metrics on myself kind of in real time 
and there's sensors that go on my club. You, it takes, it's going to take you a couple rounds to get used to it and how to like make little adjustments. Cause sometimes it'll think you three putted when you two putted or stuff like that. Cause the sensors are sensitive, but, uh, in general, I am a, uh, a, a very big fan of, of the Arco stuff. If they would like to start sending commission checks, uh, my, my DMS are open. How much emphasis do you put on DK points gained when picking a, a golfer in your player pool? Okay, so Ralph, I'm so glad you brought this up. This is something I don't, so I probably put more emphasis on this myself than I do like in the videos and in the content, and that's probably wrong of me. So here's the Holy Grail. This is available uh, all the time under fantasy data. We talk a lot about strokes gain, strokes gain, strokes gain. Well, we're not playing a strokes-based game when we're on DraftKings or we're on FanDuel or we're on whatever site. We're playing a fantasy point based game. So the the DK points gained is the same idea. Whatever the average is for the week, did you get did you did you score more than that, aka gained points, or did you uh score less than that, aka lose points? And it's a big difference between the CJ Cup, in which the average uh the average last week would have been, let's see, Morikawa scored so the average last week would have been like 99 fantasy points of every player in the field. You go to the U.S. Open, it would have been like 33. So that's it's the same idea. That's why you have to do it per round. So we really should be we really should be looking at uh, DK points gained or fantasy points gained much, much, much more frequently. And what you'll find is a couple of interesting things here, especially in this field. Uh, Joaquin Neiman at 9900 on average gains more than both Tommy Fleetwood. And Will Zalatoris. And that is, um, and those are two golfers that are much more expensive. Ryan Palmer, unfortunately, uh, has been down in the dumps recently, but historically has been, uh, is, is mispriced for how many points he's gained. And if you want to just look at like, you know, the last two years, you can do that as well. You can kind of filter this any way you want. Charlie Hoffman pops up. Brendan Steele pops up. It, it is a really good metric, Ralph. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad that, um, I could showcase it a little bit. It's something I need to do more of. So thank you for that. Hey, Rick, how did you, <laughs> how did you manage uh, to sit down with Vic Hovland last week and how much strokes gain did y'all discuss? Uh, yeah. So uh, I got introduced to Victor uh, through a friend of a friend. We went out to dinner. It was very nice. I'm not going to dive into the things that we talked about. However, I will say that um, as you can all imagine, he is uh as likable as anybody on tour. He's a very, very easy guy to root for. We share a lot of the same interests. Um, he's a very thoughtful guy. So yes, I, I will not dive uh, too deep into, into what we chatted about, but he's a very, very good guy. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm glad that, um, you know, I was able to able to able to chat with him. How many Japan tour guys would you be comfortable playing in a $200 single entry? One, two, or three. Ooh, uh, two, probably. I think three might be pushing your, your luck a little bit, right? 50% of your lineup that might be pushing your luck a little bit. How do you go about choosing the golfer to win the prop bet leader after first round? All right. So there's a couple different ways. Uh, and I will caveat all of this by saying, um, this is probably the most volatile of bets you can make, right? So when you go more rounds, you know more information. Uh, in only 18 holes, anything can happen, uh, especially the first round where we haven't even seen the course be played yet. So there's a couple of ways that that I generally like to do this. Um, 
I would go to literally uh, go to the Holy Grail, look up first round scoring, right? Because some of these guys do just get off to hotter starts and you start looking for guys that outpace the rest of kind of their rounds here. So let's just go since uh, the start of last season because I want to get more of a, a recent thing here. No surprise. Absolutely zero surprise to see Keegan Bradley up here, right? So the top three are Cameron Tringali, Xander Shoffley, Keegan Bradley. You can kind of throw Xander out because Xander's going to be good on all rounds, right? All these top players, they're great every single round. Or on average, it ends up being that way. Tringale, nearly two strokes per round in round one. Uh, Keegan is up there. He's always up there. Chris Kirk is up there. So this is these are the types of golfers that I would look for. And then I would also look for uh, generally very strong and volatile approach players. Um, and again, that's kind of how you get to Keegan or Doug Gim playing well in the first round. If you can, if you can get hot with your approach irons, or you're just a solid approach player in general, and then you roll in three more putts than you normally do, you might end up being the first round leader. So that's kind of the, the path that I take. It is very, very volatile. Sometimes, uh, depending on weather, uh, you know, trying to find tee times in the morning wave or the afternoon wave is a thing. That's what I would do. What driver do you suggest on, on a 200 yard shot? What driver do you suggest on a 200 yard shot? What drive? I don't know what this question means. Um, I play a tailor made, but that's all. Hey, Rick, uh, any chance we can run another model? Uh, anything distinct that you have learned in that regard since Monday? I don't remember what I did Monday. We can run a model here. Um, I don't remember what I did, but here's what I would probably do today. It's still going to be very, very basic. The, 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 the issue we have is only one year's worth of data on Narashino Country Club. So I don't really want to normally that would drive a lot of the decisions that I make here. Uh, I'm going to go really, let's go like really recent. I just feel like it's that type of time of year, hot hand, 10 rounds. Let's see what happens. Um, birdie or better, I think has to be a significant portion of this. Let's say 35. I just, I just don't see any way around it. It has to be. And I would do, um, I'd probably create like a blended strokes gain total 25 off the tee, 25 approach, 10 around the green, 15 putting. What does that leave me with? Oh, I'm actually over. Uh, okay. So I got to take 10 off. I got to take 10 off of here. Let's take, okay. I can just do 20 off the tee and 20 on approach. I would probably do it like this. You could definitely convince me to do par three scoring because there's five par threes on the course. Um, you could convince me to do that. I just, I would keep it pretty straightforward. Last 10 rounds. Let's see what happens. Mav McNeely. Oh boy. Will Zalatoris, Joaquin Neiman, CT Pan, KH Lee, EVR, Johnny Vegas, Adam Shank, Cameron Tringali, Matt Jones. Would you be surprised if this thing won? Like, would you be surprised if these were guys were at the top of the leaderboard? Probably not. They're all over outside of Matt Jones. They're all 8,700 or more expensive or 8,200 more expensive. I wouldn't be surprised. I just, I, I think you just have to keep it very, very straightforward. Is Hideki too chalky for one and done? I wouldn't worry about that at this point in the season. I'm going to say. Um, I think it's too early. Don't I wouldn't worry about chalk right now. Just play the, play the best guys, so no, it's fine. Hey, Rick, can we get a USA versus Europe versus World Tournament? So there was actually, 
So it's funny you say this. There was, um, there were talks, and I don't know how serious this happened, of essentially combining the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, right? Which would kind of be crazy, where you could get Team uh, U.S., Team Europe, and then the international team, and have them figure this out where you're you're playing against one another over three or four days or whatever that ends up being. I think it'd be great. I don't think it could replace the Ryder Cup. Maybe we already have too many. Look at my hair. Sorry. Maybe we already have too many um, international contests every couple of years with the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup, and it's hard to get all these guys, and it's very expensive and like all that stuff. But like, I would love that. I, I do think that there's there's kind of a disconnect when the U.S. plays the internationals in the President's Cup and the U.S. plays the Europe uh, plays Europe in the Ryder Cup. It's like, well. Why doesn't Europe ever get to play the internationals? Why do, why don't all three like it's just and they're different years, so sometimes you get different players. And I just yeah, this would be great. I just think it's very expensive and someone's got to invest a lot of money to do it. What's more of a lock, Xander top five or Shank top twenty? Um, I don't think either of them are locks, but I think Shank top top twenty, right? Like I mean, Xander finishing in the top five. Finishing in the top five is very, very, very hard to do. Uh, let, let me just try to, let me see if I can find this out here. Xander, Xander, Xander. Let's see, let's look at Xander's results here. So, um, finished T5 at the Tour Championship, but that's that was staggered start. I'm just going to throw that out. Uh, you've got the Olympics. But outside of that, I mean, T3 at the Masters. And then a couple of runner-ups back-to-back at Farmers. All right, so he started off the season with three top fives in a row, then only had one more. Top five's hard. There's just a lot of... And he had a great year, right? It's just it's just really hard to do. So I think it's, I think it's just got to be Shank top 20. Oh, boy. Brent is back. No school to teach this week. Oh, you're a teacher. Thanks, Brent. I'm back live. Marry, one night stand, or kill. Alternate field events, no cut events, weird time zone events. Kill alternate field events. That was easy. Um, I mean, I appreciate the opportunity for those guys, but we can showcase that. We don't need an alternate field. We can showcase them during the week. Why are we taking five weeks off then uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas? I know why not to battle football, all that stuff, holiday season, blah, blah, blah. But just go 52 weeks a year and don't do alternate field events. No, Nobody wins in alternate field events. It's just like Seamus Power wins and nobody heard about it. He should be, we should elevate those. So that leaves me with weird time zone events um, and no cut events. So I have to marry. So if I marry weird time zone events, I'm just never sleeping again. I don't think I can do that. So I have to marry no cut events and have a one night stand with weird time zone events. I think that's the way to uh way to go here. Because although marrying no cut events, like I do like cut. Like I like I love the cut sweat. I love that, but I I can't marry I'll never sleep if I marry weird time zone events. That's the answer. Sun Kang breakout week? I hope so. Lonto Griffin top 10 lock. You know, I I skipped a lot. There's a lot of Lonto questions. I kind of covered it with the Adam Shank stuff. He's just so he's so similar to Adam Shank, um, where when he's at his best, it's approach play and putting, and that's what he did at the Shriners, and he finished T six. Right, that's 
that's what you're going to get out of him. Um, hopefully now outside of Shriners, he's been, it's been pretty horrible all year. Uh, so do we think that Shriners is, is, is one, is that enough? Is that enough of a sample? I don't know. I'm getting towards the end of these questions. So, um, feel free to ask whatever you want. If there's nothing else, I can shut it down here. Young gonna Rick, any Japanese tour players you would give a go to separate your lineups from others. Yep. I covered this a couple times. Um, Takumi Kanaya, Imahira, Kinosita, Kinosite, and um, shoot, who was the fourth one? Kinoshita was that one, and then uh, Nakajima would be the other one. TJ says, says good luck this week. Good luck. Uh, KFT needs to figure out like three round events. Yeah. So here's here's the issue. <coughs> Excuse me. The Corn Fair, I understand why the Corn Fairy doesn't want to go like Thursday. They they should start like uh Saturday to Tuesday. And I know why they don't want to, because a lot of guys flip back and forth and it's gonna mess up the whole scheduling. But they could also go, couldn't they go like Wednesday to Sun Saturday? And then they would get a little bit of you know Wednesday love, a little bit of Saturday love as it's coming down the stretch. I think the LPGA um should go. The op, they should start like Saturday and go to Tuesday. And I think you'd see a lot more people wagering on it. Uh, listen, the golf channel is a 24 hour channel. And if you get the rights to something and there's other stuff on at the same time, you can't show both. Right. So like, I, I would love to see more live golf on TV on, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when we don't normally get it. So there's gotta be something there. Best ball strikers in the 9,000s. That's an interesting question. It's got to be Grillo. Actually, I don't even have to guess at this. We can just do this. So let's just go to Holy Grail. Last two seasons, sort by ball striking. Or actually, I'll sort by um, I'll sort by the 9K range and look at the ball striking category. So number one would be Keegan, 1.35. Grillo would be two, 1.08. Eight. Neiman would be third, 0.89. Tringale would be fourth, 0.48. That's how they shake out. Why was I trying to guess when I have that? Cooler Ranch or Nacho Cheese? Cooler Ranch. And if you say Nacho Cheese, you are absolutely crazy. Uh, I don't know if Matthew Neesmith is going to finish inside the top 30, Garrett, but I do. I do like the ball striking, right? Neesmith is, if you look at this, it's actually kind of crazy. So this is the last uh two seasons maybe i need to go back further when did neesmith pop up here oh you know what i might still be on round one i'm still on round one so i have to i have to re-answer that question so hold on let me go back and look at the ball strikers in the 9k range last two seasons that's my bad it's still probably going to be the same guys yeah so it's keegan one still grillo two still uh neiman three and then tringali's not as much of a clear fourth um, and then the other one, what was the other question was, uh, Neesmith. Yeah, here you go. Let me show you what kind of, uh, class Matthew Neesmith is in. So this is everybody in the field this season and last season. Best approach players, Colin Morikawa, Keegan Bradley, Matthew Neesmith. 
He's better than Will Zalatoris. He's better than Hideki Matsuyama. Now, obviously, he doesn't gain as much off the tee. He gives it away on, on the greens and around the greens, but that is a very, very valuable skill set to have. Yeah, John says, KFT guys have to have Mondays to try to qualify. I agree. that there's Yeah, I, I don't think that they can necessarily change that. I get why the Corn Ferry Tour goes Thursday to Sunday, but I, I think that other tours have... Um, other tours have reasons. Okay. I think that'll do it. Um, I'm going to go grab some lunch. We've got a golf tournament that starts in a matter of hours, people. So make sure you get your lineups in. Make sure you get everything in there. Um, trying to think what else. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. I'm trying to do more behind the scenes stuff, interesting stuff on Instagram, stuff that doesn't, you know, might normally hit the cutting room floor. Uh, so I think it's at Rick Gaiman on Instagram. Uh, follow me there. That will be very good. Um, and hey, maybe you'll even see me and me and Victor at dinner on Instagram. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just saying. Otherwise, uh, pet your dogs, be nice to people and have a great week.